Welcome to Wildlife Outdoors with your host, Russell and Jose. If you have a passion for conservation of the outdoors, or you're enjoying a calming hike in the mountains, an exhilarating kayak trip on the river, feeling a fish on the end of your line, cooking on an open flame in a primitive campsite, or stalking big game, just waiting for the perfect shot, you're in the right place. So put on your boots and polarized sunglasses and come along for the ride. What's going on and welcome back to another Wildlife Outdoors podcast. My name is Jose. I'm just one half of the two-man group and we're joined, of course, with none other than Russell Reynolds. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It might be a little bit shorter than the last couple episodes we've had um, just because as life goes, we've been busy and um, at least myself, I haven't had much time to spend any time outdoors. I know Russell has done a little bit this past weekend, and that's actually what we'll be diving into a little bit more in this episode. Um, and with that being said, I think we should apologize for not having an episode out um, last week. Because as I mentioned before, as life goes and often does, you know, things were we were a little busy. Things came up, and we just couldn't find the time to meet. Unfortunately, that's just. Some of the uh, logistical things we kind of have to deal with whenever we live in two separate states. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And um, we apologize and we'll try and not let that happen too often. But, you know, we're we're only human and we can only do what we can. But uh, that being said, we thank you guys for hanging in there and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, So, Russell. I know I have not had the chance to do any outdoorsy type stuff these last few weeks, but I know you went on a little adventure. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that and how things went? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was talking to our buddy Howe, who was actually on the last episode, um, about going backpacking or going fishing or just hitting somewhere that I've never been, right? And uh, we got to talking about different places in the state of Arkansas, and he brought up the Costat. And so I've been wanting to go places that I've never been, but like Southwest Arkansas was never like in my mind. I was always thinking somewhere like in the Ozarks or somewhere up north, like up towards Mississippi or uh, Missouri. And uh, just thinking, you know, somewhere in that region. And then he's like, nah, the Costot. And so I started looking it up and dude, the Costot's freaking gorgeous. And it's like in the middle of nowhere. So it's at the, the southernmost part of the Washita mountains. And, it is just crystal clear water, mountains, you know, perfect for hiking, camping, backpacking. And uh, so I said, yeah, I'm in. So I talked to Ruth about it and I was like, hey, you know, I want to try my hand at backpacking. I've never been backpacking before. Um, I love camping. I love being outside. So I was like, just try backpacking. Well, then we looked at the weather and, you know, a couple weeks out, we started, we kind of agreed that we were going to go. But we started planning it about two weeks before. Um, so once it got to about 10 days, we'd look at the 10 day forecast and see what the weather's going to be like. And the weather was looking like it was going to be great. Like during the day, it was going to be in the sixties, get down in the forties at night. And you know, I love cooler weather. So I was like, hell yeah, it's perfect. So we start planning everything and uh, started getting everything packed up, making sure we have everything. Um, I just was super stoked about it. And I guess I didn't look more into, uh, what 41 degrees in the mountains actually feels like. So <laughs> I was a little underprepared there. Um, but yeah, so so we were excited and we went out this past weekend and uh, we ended up leaving Friday evening and uh, went out there and stayed at the uh, Costot Falls uh, campsite area at the Costot River State Park. And um, we got there around sunset and uh, went ahead and got the, the tent set up and gathered some wood. And we we're going to have a fire and... Uh, 
the all the wood that was around was like extremely moist. Like we hadn't gotten rain in central Arkansas. I don't know if they'd gotten rain over there or if it is just so densely wooded that moisture doesn't leave. But all the wood that we found was just extremely moist and covered in moss and I was just like, well, I mean, it's going to be fun to try to get a fire started. So, um, you know, I tried to use, I have a, a, you know, a flint and steel fire starter. And I was like, well, let me, you know, try to see what I can do, see if I can get this fire started. And uh, so I found some cedar and I know that, uh, well, there's like cedar and pine out there. I'm pretty sure it was cedar that I grabbed though. Um, And right where the branch comes out of the trunk, there's like that knot. And I know that there's Mm -hmm. concentrations of oil in there. And so I was like, well, maybe I could use that to help ignite the fire. Um, started a little kindling pile in like a, a log cabin style, put some kindling in there and was trying to start it. And, uh, it just couldn't get really get it lit. And I was like, damn. So then I had some receipts in the truck, some old receipts. I was like, screw it. We'll rip those up and use those for kindling and got a little bit of a fire going in terms of the smaller kindling, but I could never get any larger pieces of wood to ignite. So, uh, first night got down to 40, it was like 41, 42 degrees. Didn't have a campfire. Um, our sleeping mats got little pinholes in them. So about halfway through the mm. night, we're just laying on the rocks, extremely uncomfortable. Um, so the first night was just like, how? Oh, okay, we got all the bad out of the way. Like, we're gonna, it's only up from here. So we're great. So we're going to get up in the morning and the trail itself is 12 and a half miles. And so the names of the, of the areas, it's Brushy Creek Trailhead. And then it's about five miles down to an area called Ed Banks. And then it's about three miles from Ed Banks to Costop uh, Falls, which is where we stayed the first night. And then it's another, I think, mile from Costop Falls to the Sandbar Campsite. And uh, there's also like a group campsite there. And then I think it's another five or six miles to the Visitor Center. And that makes, makes up the 12 and a half mile stretch. And they say allot yourself 20 hours to do this hike. And so we're thinking, okay, we'll, we'll start it, you know, park the truck at Brushy, hike down to Costatot, and then you know, the next day hike back up and uh, end up at the truck. And so we're going to do, you know, half of it because if, if we parked at brushy, then hike to Costot camped and then hike to the visitor center, like we don't have a way to get 12 miles back up to the truck. So figured we just do half of it. And um, so the next morning we went, we got up, you know, right when the sun woke up and went and walked around the Costot falls area, looked at the shoals and dude, the water was just, I mean, crystal clear. The pools were like this, turquoise blue color um the water was flowing just right like the ripple was perfect for fishing and uh ruth doesn't really like fishing and we knew we had quite the hike ahead of us and so we're like "Ah." so i didn't get to fish it so we went out there and took a couple pictures just kind of felt you know what the water was like and then packed up and wanted to go visit the visitor center ask some questions before we got started and then get started on the hike and so we get to the visitor. Well, we're on our way to the visitor center and i was like you know what this would be a cool area because there's a lot of hardwoods and a lot of pine covering like the canopy over the road and i was like this would be cool to like fly the drone behind the truck driving there and stuff because i was trying to film a youtube video also (laughs) and so i was like oh that'd be a cool shot and so i was like ruth you want to drive and i'll try to fly the drone and keep in mind i'm not the most experienced in drones like i'm actually not experienced at all in drones (laughs) so i bought this cheap drone and i'm like trying to fly it behind the truck and i hit a limb And so the drone, you know, starts flopping around and falls off in the woods. And I'm like, damn. So she pulls over and I get out and I still have my phone and the the drone remote. And I'm walking down the road and I see this truck come around the corner, come over the hill and around the corner. And uh, he's like, you lose your drone? And I'm like, yes, sir. And it was a it was a state park, uh, like patrol guy, um, state park ranger. And I was like, yeah, he said, oh, he's like, uh, 
just so you know, you're not supposed to fly drones on state park property. Um, he's like, I'm not, I'm not worried about you. Like, I'm not going to write you up or nothing. He said, it's just one of those things where like, if it's allowed, we're going to have 20 of them in there, you know, at times bothering people. He said, it's just, we just don't really like them and, and you're really not supposed to be flying them on state park property. I said, okay, is that awesome? I appreciate <laughs> it. And so I'm walking and he's just driving next to me and we're just chit chatting a little bit. I told him a little bit about the podcast. He asked what we were there for, what we were doing, where we'd been. And um, he actually pointed out the drone. He's like, oh, there's your drone. I was like, oh, sweet. And then we stood there talking for like 15 minutes. And so Ruth like gets out of the truck and she's looking back because we're probably maybe 100 yards away from where she was at the truck. And she's like looking like, is everything okay? You know, she didn't want to really want to walk up. But I guess she could just tell by the way that I was standing to communicate with a guy that I wasn't like in trouble. And so she just kind of got back in the truck and waited. And then I start walking up and she gets out and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, got a ticket. And she's like, for what? I said, find the drone on state park property. She's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, apparently you're not supposed to do that. And she's like, oh man, I was like, no, I'm just joking. I said, he could have, but he, <laughs> he, he didn't get me the ticket. But um, obviously he's experienced in the area. And he said that that first five miles from brushy, uh, the brush Creek trailhead to um, Ed Banks is five miles. It's pretty like pretty hilly. Like the first mile is like, straight up and then you don't even get to any scenic overlooks you don't really get much of a view like you're just in the woods and you rise at an elevation but you don't get to see anything he said so if you're doing like a one-day trip he would recommend you know going from campsite to campsite and back excuse me in one day and uh, that way you get to see it and you know on the second trip back you can you know if you have time maybe stop and you know go to the river or anything because the river's the trail isn't directly next to the river um, you can see the river and hear the river most of the way, but it's pretty steep to get down to it. And there's certain points where you can get down to it, but not very many of them. Um, so he recommended doing that. And so we went and talked to the, the people at the nature center and she said, yeah, that sounds like a, a good plan. That way you're not away from your vehicle. God forbid something happens, stuff like that. So I was like, okay. So we ended up changing our plan. And since we had already camped at Costa Falls, we wanted to go try to camp at Ed Banks. And so we're like, all right, that's the plan. So we drive down to Ed Banks and we get to where it said Ed, there's just a sign that says Ed Banks cut in and there's a a low water crossing and like nothing else. And so, okay, we drive back and we go like a couple miles back and we end up at a dead end yellow gate, like a lease, a hunting lease. And I'm just like, what the hell? And so we go and we drive all the way back. It's like a couple miles back down to where it, it forked off went another way, go over there and there's one campsite and there's a couple Jeeps and some people there eating lunch. And I'm like, damn. And like, you have to drive through the campsite to turn around. So, and obviously all their vehicles are there. So I did like this 10 point turn right next to their freaking campsite <laughs> to try to get out of there. Cause it's like, you know, tiny little gravel road or dirt road. And so I finally got out of there and I'm like, damn. And then I see this spot where it's like a perfect spot on the bank. And there's like a small cutoff from from the road you take to get there. And this is right next to that low water crossing, that bridge. And uh, there's a porta potty there. And I was like, well, you know, that's it looks like there's a pull off for the porta potty. But there's no like because the other campsite had like this wall kind of thing. And it's like a, a flat pad with rock and it has a picnic table and a fire ring and all sorts of stuff. So I was like, that's obviously a campsite. That's how the campsites at Costop Falls were. Um, but this didn't have any of that. But it was like a perfect camping, like on the bank of the river. And I was like, ah, oh, that would be amazing. But it specifically says on the website that you cannot camp anywhere except for designated camping sites. And I was like, well, damn. But then I look and I see like a makeshift fire ring. Like there's some rocks there with some logs in it that have burned. And I'm like, well, somebody's camped here. Or at least somebody had a fire. I was like, 
I think I'm going to risk it because we don't want to stay at the same campsite. And it was $15 for the campsite previously. And so I was like, well, but I don't see a way to pay. And so I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to risk it. But I finally told Ruth, I said, let's just risk it. Like, we'll put up a tent. I'll leave a business card on there. So if we're not supposed to and, and the park ranger comes by, like he can call or text. And maybe if I get signal at some point, I'll get the text saying, hey, you know, you can't can't camp here. And then we'll go and get the tent. Like, not a problem. And so we set up the tent and uh, we get hiking. And we're hiking, and I keep seeing these, like, great shoals and great pools for fishing. And I was just like, and it was like a clear day. I think it got up to 70 that day. The water's cool. The water's moving. I was like, perfect fishing conditions. And I finally talked her into letting me go and fish for a little bit. And so we hiked down this kind of, you know, it's not even a trail, but it looked like it may have been a game trail. And so you can see where some of the grass is kind of parted down. And so we like hiked our way down there and we get to the water and I'm just like, just taking in the beauty. It was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was just the, and, and I don't even know what kind of rock is there. It's almost, I, I sent you some pictures, right? So, yeah, you did. So I don't even know what kind of rock that would be, but it just makes these, like, it's just smooth, just curves. Like, I don't know. It's just gorgeous. And so I was standing up, um, you know, on some boulders that are sticking out of the water, casting into the ripples. And I missed a couple of fish and I saw some and and it was the water was cold. So I don't know if the fish were lethargic or if I was just stripping too fast, but I had a couple that I had missed and I could just see brown or like bronze come up right next to my fly and then miss it. And I was like, dude, these have to be freaking smallmouth. And so I'm casting and casting and casting and I finally hook up on one and Ruth was had my camera. And so she doesn't she doesn't like know much about cameras. So she was like trying to record me and take pictures and stuff. And uh, which I'm very thankful for. She actually got some decent footage of me casting, which is pretty cool because I don't really have much of me doing anything. I'm normally the one behind the camera. Um, so it was nice to kind of get some footage of me doing some stuff. But uh, and I caught this little smallmouth and it was, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 inches. But it was by far the prettiest smallmouth that I've ever caught. I mean, it was just all marked up bronze and green. I mean, it was just a gorgeous fish. Um, you know, caught it on a little, I think it was a, a bead headed minnow pattern that I'd tied up and uh, you know, good release, safe release fish went off and she's like, okay, you caught your fish. Like time to go back hiking. And I'm like, no, we've been here like 20 minutes. <laughs> and so I asked her, if she wanted to try to fish and um, she's never used a fly rod before. She's used a uh, Tenkara rod before. And so I was trying to like compare the two, you know, trying to help her cast. And she actually got some decent casts, uh, but was unable to catch a fish, unfortunately. And she was pretty much over it, not too long into it. And so packed everything up and then we start hiking back. And so we get all the way to the Cost Top Falls campsite. And I think it's like three, probably about three miles. Um, but halfway, there's a spot called Stan's Bridge. And you walk across this bridge and there's, you know, a little cascading waterfall beneath it. And then right where it pulls up beneath that, there's a bench and it says Stan the man on the bench. And then the bridge itself is Stan's Bridge. Um, so we went and sat there for a little bit and, uh, we got, before we went, we went to sportsman's warehouse and got peak refuel, like meals. Like, have you seen the dehydrated meals, oh, like the house and stuff? Yes. yes so yeah. peak refuel is another one. And dude, I'll, I'll get to the meal later. It was amazing, <laughs> but, um, they also had some dehydrated brownie bites. And so we sat there and, and she doesn't like chocolate. So I was eating the brownie bites, but dude, those freaking brownie bites, they're like dehydrated candy, but in brownies and dude, they're freaking good. So I sat there and ate some of those and we just, you know, relaxed the whole time. And the, and the river's so clear that we have a uh, life straw, like sacks where you just fill up the, the sack and then you have the life straw on the top. 
And so we're just, you know, drinking water straight from the river. The river was, you know, pretty cool, pretty like chill. I think it was, I don't even know what the water temperature is, but it felt like I was drinking a glass of ice water. Like it was just perfect. And so we sat there, drank some water, ate some brownie bites and continued on. Well, then when we got to Costa Falls uh, campsite, that uh, park ranger come by again. And so he's like, hey, y'all made it. And I was like, yes, sir. And so he asked how the hike was and asked what we did. And I was like, quick question. I said, Ed Banks, there's camping out there, right? And he said, yes. He said, there's two campsites. He said, there's like an actual campsite. And then there's um, like another one just kind of on the riverbank, but they're both taken. And I was like, the riverbank, like by the poor body. He's like, yes, it's sweet. That's us. I said, I wasn't sure if we can camp there. But I put my tent up just in case. He said, yeah, that's campsite. I said, well, where do we pay then? Because there's not like anywhere to leave money. He said, it's a free campsite. It's like, sweet. So we got a free campsite on the riverbank. And uh, we set up the tent on this like soft silt area. So it was like a perfect area to camp. So I'm glad that we ended up getting it. And so we had got there to the, to the, to the falls. And then we went and walked the falls again and went further down than we did that morning. And, um, hiked down there and I got some good like long exposure pictures of, of the waterfalls and stuff like that. I saw those, dude. Yeah, dude. Those are the, those are the photos you sent me, right? Yeah. yeah. Dude, they look, I mean, that place looks amazing. I yeah. want to go so bad. Dude, we, we have to, we have to, it's, I mean, those pictures don't even do it justice. Like I tried to capture and I didn't take my tripod with me. So those pictures were literally taken by me, just like setting my camera on a rock and like getting other little rocks to try to like get the angle that I wanted. But I mean, if I could have got, the entirety and I only took one lens. I just had my 50 mil. Like I, I didn't, it was bare minimum, no tripod, just one lens. Like I, it was a very minimalistic trip. Um, but if I could have taken, you know, like my 16 to 35 or, and, and gotten a wider shot, like the trees were just so colorful. There's a lot of greens and oranges. The water's blue. The stone is gray with some streaks of orange in it. Like, dude, it was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, but so we, we, you know, hiked around there and we left our bear spray there. So I bought bear spray because apparently there's a lot of bears that we didn't see any. Um, but apparently there's a lot of bears there and it was also opening weekend for bear. And so I'm thinking, well, with all these hunting leases, like if someone shoots a bear or misses a bear or spooks a bear, like they might be running, you know, into the park and, uh, would have been good for us to have bear spray. So I got bear spray before we went. But when we got down halfway through our hike for the day and uh, we're climbing on all these rocks and I just had it clipped to my side, but I'm having to like climb and, and, you know, get down on all these shoals and stuff. So I took it out of my pocket or out of my off my clip and put it on the rock while I climbed down backwards. And then I was going to grab it and I completely forgot it. And I didn't notice until we're like halfway back to our campsite going back to Ed Banks and the sun's starting to get low uh, over the ridge. And I'm like, damn, like this could be bad. Like we don't have bear spray. I don't have a machete. Like I have nothing but a little two and a half inch pocket knife. I was like, that would be crazy. And so I looked at Ruth. I said, you know, when a bear comes, if a bear comes, you don't have to be fast. You just can't be the slowest. And she looked at me. <laughs> she's like, you would let a bear attack me? I was like, I would probably trip you. And just let, it, let it, she's like, are you? I was like, no. I was like, I would absolutely fight a bear off for you. She's like, I don't know. Would you? I said, yes, I would. What's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> but we started hiking back and, and we got back a little bit before the sun went down. So it was fine. Um, and I was like, well, there's a little shoal right next to where the campsite was. So I was like, well, let me try to get a little bit of fishing in there. So I got maybe, I don't know, five casts in. Um, but I want to get a fire going before. And, um, I'm going to get meals going and all that before it was too dark. So 
I was like, all right, you know, got a little bit of fishing in, caught that one fish. So it wasn't a total loss, although I wanted to fish a lot more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, I, it just means I need to make another trip back. Like it, it's a perfect fishing spot. So, um, yeah, next time you come up, we're going there. It's an hour and a half away from where I live. So like I was expecting it to be like three hours away just by what it looked like. Um, doesn't look like anything in this area, but it is uh hour and a half away close enough for a day trip if we needed to, but I'd rather take a weekend and just fish the hell out of it. But, uh, yeah, dude, it was awesome. And then, so we got back to the campsite and this is where those peak meals come in. So I got a, it was a bison ranch mashers meal is what it's called. And so it's bison meat, uh, ranch flavored mashed potatoes, carrots, peas. And I, think i think that's about it there might be an, another vegetable or something in it and it's just a basic you know camping meal where you boil some water put it in there zip it up let it sit for a few minutes and that's it and i didn't have extremely high hopes for it i mean i, I expected it to be edible obviously um but when i started eating it dude it was like a freaking gourmet meal like that shit was good it was better than you know a lot of meals that i've had in the past six months <laughs> and an $11 dehydrated meal. Like, freaking amazing, dude. And we are not sponsored by Peak Fuel Meals. We are. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, they are, oh, my God, freaking amazing. And then for breakfast, we got, it was, uh, the one I got was peaches, heavy cream, and steel rolled oats. And it was phenomenal. Ruth got strawberry granola, I think it was, and it was really good. Those brownie bites are amazing. Like, I'm excited to go camping just for the meals now. Like, that's what I'm going to buy every time because, dude, they're so freaking good and they're so easy to make. So, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Dude, all in all, it sounds like a pretty sweet trip, man. I'm looking dude. forward to trying, trying going out there myself. We need, especially for, for some sure. small jaws, dude. Hell yeah, dude, it's loaded. Like, I saw quite a few of them. So, but. So how yeah. deep are those pools? Do you think you need some sinking line to like better, more effectively fish those areas? They looked pretty deep. So sink, sinking, well, sink tip would probably would be fine. I think the only issue, like if you're trying to go minimalistic, I would probably do like an intermediate line, um, a slow sink that way in case you need to throw top water. Um, Cause I was throwing a floating line and I was using, um, you know, subsurface uh, streamers so i think that if you're only taking one pole i would say either a float or an intermediate and if you have to extend your leader uh just to get down a little deeper you might have to do that or use a heavier fly um, i guess it would i guess it also depend on how fast the flows are yeah and and the flows were they weren't extremely fast but they, they were moving when i was there um but i was getting fine with 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 floating line uh, if you could have two rods, absolutely have a sink and a float because you could definitely fish down in some of those holes. But um, I can see a lot of times where you would want to use top water as well. Um, so it's, it, it really depends on, on what your preference, what flies you're, you're preferring to throw. I mean, I know you and I, we both like throwing streamers, so a sink line would be fine. But um, apparently there's some good uh, mouse fishing out there too, like mousing. And I wanted to do that as well. Um, because we saw, I think probably five or six chipmunks, um, saw a few mice running around. Like there's a bunch of rodent activity out there. So mm -hmm. 
I'm pretty sure that, you know, on a full moon night, you could probably, or even like, not even not a full moon, but if there's a bright enough moon and a clear sky, like you probably have some really good mouth fishing at night. Dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I wanted to do it, <laughs> but, but, uh, so I told Ruth, I said, okay, I said, if the, qual- if, if the water quality, air quality is good, like our, our last night there, Saturday night, I said, if it's good, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night and go fishing. She says, that's fine. And so all I took for this trip in terms of clothing was a pair of uh, like thin ripstop pants, um, a long sleeve hooded bamboo UPF fishing shirt, and a short sleeve t-shirt, and two pairs of boxers, two pairs of socks. So very minimalistic. Ruth, on the other hand, had a couple pairs of leggings, a couple pairs of pants, a sweater, <laughs> a hoodie. Actually, no, I lie. I brought a flannel too, but she confiscated the flannel. Um, a t- Funny how that happened, right? And so she she had, and she was able to compact her clothing into one gallon size Ziploc, and then I think another little roll of uh, maybe a, a hoodie and a sweater together. Um, so you know, I mean, she didn't bring much at all, but she brought much more than I did. And so we get we get done, and so we made a fire the second night, right? And it just wasn't the wood that we had. We, we bought some wood at the, uh, at the nature center. I said, screw this. Like that wood out there is too wet. And so we bought some wood at the nature center. And when I first lit it, it was putting out some flames, putting out some heat, but excuse me, I think it was just, maybe it was a type of wood. I don't know, but it was perfect for like barbecue wood. Like it immediately went to coal and was putting out a lot of heat close, but there weren't rising flames. And so I kept fanning it and trying to get flames to come. And, um, then I was fanning it more, flames would come and go away. Fan it more, flames would come and then it go away. And it, and it just, it kept wanting to turn into coals, which would have been great for cooking on, but it wasn't really putting much heat out for us. Um, so we were already getting cold as it was. So then it started getting a little bit more chilly that night. And so we we're like, let's just, you know, go to the tent and, and lay down and get ready for bed. So we lay down and our mattresses go flat. I had to air them up like three times throughout the night. And I woke up. And I just had to pee so bad. And I was like, well, all right, well, cool. I'm going to go pee. And so I get out of the tent and I go around the corner and I pee. And I come back and I look at the time and it's like 4.30. I look up and it's just stars galore, a big moon. And I'm like, clear skies. It's like, sweet. Like, this would be awesome to try to throw that damn mouse out there because I brought a mouse fly. I brought a little container with, I think I had maybe eight flies and that's all I had. And then uh, my one five weight fly rod. And um, that Pro 3 that I have, I kept, finally caught my first fish on it. <laughs> so I did take the plastic off the cork. Um, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, like, you know, I think I'm going to go fishing. And then after about five seconds, I'm like, yeah, it's too damn cold for this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not prepared. I think it was 40-something degrees, and I'm out there, and all I have is, you know, a short sleeve T-shirt and these ripstop pants. And I'm like, yeah, I'm shivering as it is right now. And I was like, I don't have a jacket. Ruth had on a hoodie, a sweatshirt my flannel long sleeve and a short sleeve and was in her sleeping bag. So I wasn't going to wake her up to take my flannel or anything. I said, oh, I'll just lay back down and go back to sleep. So I didn't fish that night, but uh, yeah, it was uh it got down pretty chilly. I think I need to come a little more prepared, maybe some wool socks or, you know, maybe some under garments or something for keeping me warm. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, it was still, it was still a pretty good time. I just, I need to go back and fish it. Let's go, man. Oh, I've been actually, it gives me an excuse to get some stuff to tie mouse flies. I've been, I've been really, so I haven't myself been able to go out and do any outdoorsy stuff to an extent. I mean, I guess my field work is outdoorsy, but it's not, although we try to make it fun, it's not in, in and of itself fun. Like it's not something I would 
go out of my way to go do something I have to do. But uh, so I haven't investment taking up most of my time and I've been having some personal stuff on the weekends I've been having to deal with. So it's just um, really haven't had a lot of time to go fishing or hunting. Unfortunately, this past Saturday, November 4th, if I'm not mistaken, was the general season opener for Texas. So if any of you Texas hunters were out in the field, I hope you guys were successful and um, if not, well, I hope you get your, your the deer you're looking for in the upcoming weeks because there's still quite a bit of season left. But um, anyways, so I've been I've just been tying a lot. Um, I hadn't tied for months just because of my living situation at that time. Now I have my tying set up set up, and uh, so I've been I've been trying to do at least a few flies a week. Just you know whatever I I kind of I don't really. It just kind of depends on my mood. Like sometimes I'll tie like little, like big streamers. Sometimes I'll tie small stuff. It just, you know, kind of depends. Um, here lately I've been, I've been doing a lot of stuff with deer hair. And so I was actually watching, I forgot what video it was. They were mousing for big browns. And I was like, dude, that'd be, that'd be awesome. We don't really have browns in Texas unless they stock them in the quad. But uh, so needless to say, I've never, um, had a reason to tie a mouse fly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've just been wanting to, they just look cool and I like the challenge and deer hair, at least for me has been one of the most intimidating, um, types of fly or materials to tie with, but it's also been some of the most rewarding. Like I really enjoy it, but it's really, at least for me, it's been very hard to get like a, like a, a nice looking finished product just because there are certain techniques that are required i think to tie like a good deer hair fly that i've not yet mastered um but needless to say you know i'm I'm, i would love to go over there fish for some small jaws hopefully with some hand tied flies because like one i just it's just funner catching fish on flies you tie especially like deer hair stuff man it's 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 a it's it's a blast it's pretty cool but it's great like i i started tying some deer hair like divers and stuff last spring Dude, for one fly, it takes me like almost two hours of tying, maybe, just because like the actual tying, the packing, and then the trimming. The trimming takes forever because, you know, once you cut some hair, you can't exactly glue it back on. So it's really important to take your time. And I've made some really, oh crap, I dropped my little my little microphone cover. Um, I've made some really terrible looking flies and I've made some pretty all right looking flies, but there are some dudes, they're just deer hair masters. I mean, it's, it's like their flies are like functional art. It's freaking crazy. What some of these guys can do It's I'll never get there, but I don't know, bro. You haven't been doing it. it for that long and you've tied up some freaking sick looking divers. <clears throat> Dude, I don't, I don't know, man, but, I will hope to get better. I mean, we should all strive to right. get better in the things we pursue, you know, but so hopefully I'll get better. But anyways, yeah, man. So let's do it. Let's plan a trip. I'm planning on taking a little bit of a vacation. Hopefully if I can, I've got to run that by my advisor. Once I finish field work, yeah. but I got to finish field work first, which well, is I think you should a pain. Make a trip up here. We got numerous places we can go. Um, we have some uh, other podcast guests that are going to be on. Um, that you know we've talked to, and and he's offered us to go up to his neck of the woods. So I think you should definitely make a trip up here, bro. Did I want to? I just got to make. It. I just got to get through the season first, man. I'm already fighting against the clock. So when are you foreseeing 
the field season's going to start closing up. <sighs> well, <clears throat> well, so let me just preface this, I guess. So people who may not have uh, listened in before who are, or who are just ringing in will be like totally lost. So right now I'm a grad student. And um, for the la- last year was my first field season. This is my second. So my field season, essentially, it's I kind of have like two parts. I have like a summer portion. Actually, it should all be one continuous thing. But inevitably, um, mine extends into the fall, sometimes winter, um, just depending on how things go. But there are like two, I guess, components to my field work. One is the deployment of ARU or ARUs or audio recording units. Um, so we, we set those out, I'll go and check them every now and again, and then we pull those at a, at a certain time. And then the second part is field sampling or sorry, vegetation sampling to be more specific. I have 23 sites to sample and we do um, two different methods. And so that's what we're doing right now. And ideally we'll do those during seasons of like primary growth. And that typically will start around August, September. And when things start getting cold and we start getting like cold fronts and we start getting freezes, things will begin dying or senescing. And so it just becomes very difficult to ID things. So being able to have good quality data really depends on being able to make accurate identifications when it comes to your plants. So um, that's one reason why. I'm fighting against the clock because once these things start like senescing and stuff like that or dying, it just becomes like insanely difficult. Um, so I got to finish. So I, I need ideally to finish sooner rather than later. So I can have like more or be more, I guess to be more confident in what am I doing or my doing skills. So that's one, um, one reason, but reason number, actually that's the main reason. So there's that. And then also within this, we're doing some UAV flights over my sites and stuff like that. And I'll process that, you know, in, in the, uh, in the office, which isn't terrible. And I'll process the ARU stuff in the office as well. But, uh, so needless to say, in a, in an, in an ideal scenario, cause last year it took us, it took us quite a bit of time because we had to set up the plots. <clears throat> and then after setting up the plots, we had to sample them and we, we kind of established semi permanent plots. And so it took us a lot of time to do that and to sample and everything. This year, because the plots are already there, we just have to run the tapes. That's kind of how we establish our uh, sampling <clears throat> locations as we, we run these like 60 meter long tapes in each cardinal direction, northeast, southwest, and, uh, and all that. So um, setting up of the plot takes a little bit of time still, about 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how thick the brush is. Uh, but we want, and we want to try and get it as straight as possible. And, uh, so it takes us a little bit of time to do that, but it's going faster than last year. And also I feel like our ID, our ID took longer last year. One, because we got later start. And two, I've been very, very rusty when it comes to my ID. So my plan ID, I've been a little bit better here. So things have been moving a little bit faster, a little bit smoother. So we've been, av- we've been able to average two plots a day. When we've been able to sample, the problem with this year is we've been battling weather. Um, we can't really sample when there's like just, you know, a bunch of rain, especially when there's lightning. Um, so we've been fighting, we've been fighting weather. We've been in the same time we've been having to do flight missions. So that takes up 
like an entire day every time we do a flight mission. And so there was like a week or two ago when we were doing flight missions, um, we would go out there and we would try and do it, get these big tarps set up and stuff with the spectrometer and everything and for uh, post-processing of the imagery. And we'd get them set up and then they'd be like, oh, we're having technical difficulties. We can't fly. Or whatever the case was. So we, I lost an entire week of potential sampling time because we were dealing with flight missions. So I, I couldn't sample at all at that time. And we got like two of the three sites that we needed to get done, actually done. So last week, you know, things were going good, had some family stuff come up and I just, yeah, I just had to go home to do that. And so I left early before I can get sample or get, you know, more sampling done than I wanted. And then this week we're having to deal with flight missions again. Today, that's what we're supposed to do. Again, they're having technical difficulties, so we couldn't fly. So I lost a day of sampling today. So tomorrow, hopefully, if all goes well, I'll be able to get two to three plots done. Nice. And then thir- Thursday, there's a chance of rain. Uh, that's we're having a cold front come through. So depending on when that happens, I, it just it, you know it'll determine how much I can get done. I'm hoping to get two done before that, but we'll see. And then Friday. My uh, my friend and colleague who's been helping me has some stuff to go do. Um, and so, and I actually have to go back home because I actually got some stuff I need to do, help out with my family, uh, help my family with, sorry. And so um, we have to head back Friday. And then we're trying to get everything done before Thanksgiving just because that's just a personal goal of mine. I just want to get things done before Thanksgiving. I don't want to worry about this anymore. Right. I want to go back to, I want to go back to having a life and, um, Kind of, sort of, and uh, or at least a more manageable life, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, this field season has been good to an extent, but it's just been challenging. And so, and that's just how it goes with, with in, in ecology, man. I mean, it's and it's one of those things. It's just you have a bunch of, in you know, a bunch of stuff you can't control. You're fighting against the weather. You're fighting against time and all that stuff. So you can only do what you can do, and that's just kind of how it is for me. And then when it comes to the writing portion, if, if you're thinking about going to grad school, um, just something to consider when it comes to like writing and making sense of everything, you know, having, you're going to have to try and justify everything that you've done. So you're going to have to make sense and justify why, you know, it took so long to sample and why, and that, how that might influence how your data looks and how your final results look and all that stuff. So it's a, but that's, a problem for future me. I'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hopefully. And, uh, cause we've had some other instances in, in our lab where that's been the case. And because it's, we work on a ranch where there are people there and, you know, gates get left open and whatever, there's some other intangible things that may influence the data as well. And then we have to make sense of that. We have to articulate that. We have to justify uh, and explain that to the viewers and, you know, all that stuff. So it's just been, so it'll be an interesting process. It'll be an interesting conundrum that I'll be facing once I get to that point. I'm not there yet. Um, I still got to process and, and analyze all my data. But yeah, so just a little insight to my grad school life, what I've been dealing with. Um, not nearly as exciting as, as what Russell's been doing. Just... Uh, <laughs> So needless to say, and it, and it does kind of suck, man, because I have friends who are like going fishing, who are going hunting, and they'll invite me like, hey, man, you're going to be in town, let's go fish and all this stuff. I'm like, nah, dude, um, I'm going to be in the field. 
Yeah, I'm I'm in the field Monday through Friday, <clears throat> and I do try to go like during uh during the summer. We do attend to, like whenever so whenever we do tend to have a little bit more downtime when we set out these ARUs and we go and check them. We can be a bit more flexible with that. And so my field site is not too far from the South Atlanta River, so I will bring a rod and you know go fishing when I can. And I've done that in uh, this past summer. It was great. It was fun. But this season, I just have zero time for that. And also the land that we got a bunch of rain up here like a week or two ago and the land that was blown out. So I couldn't fish at all that weekend. I don't know what's looking like this week. Uh, actually the flows look pretty good this week. I just don't know how that'll affect the fishing, but, um, but I am, man. So just been battling that. So I'm hoping once I get this, you know, knocked out, I'm going to try and talk to my advisor, see if I can take some time off. Cause I, I feel, I feel like I need it. I'm freaking burnt out and hopefully be able to go and, do some fishing, maybe do some hunting. My girlfriend's family, she she asked, she actually told me last time that her uncle and cousin asked her if I'd be interested in going hunting at, at some point. It's because it her she has some family members that like to go and do that. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, I'd totally be down to do that. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to sneak in a hunting trip this year. We'll see. I hope but, you uh, can, man. I hope I can. Shit. <laughs> Dude, I know. I've been, I've been, so my, and this, the other thing, so like my, I guess to get a little bit more personal, my grandfather hasn't been doing too well um, as of late. And he is the one that is responsible for like getting me involved in the outdoors. And so I wouldn't be part of this podcast. I probably wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing today as far as like my, um, career aspirations and like my my time here my, as a grad student if it weren't for him and my grandmother so um i a lot of it is is a, is is totally because of him and so he loves he loves hunting he doesn't do it as often or well, he doesn't do it any, anymore at all he hasn't been in years and um he loves deer sausage so like breakfast sausage like there's a uh-huh. a uh, little meat market bonton back home and he loves their summer sausage. He loves their deer sausage stuff. And usually, like, I want to, I, I want to get to the point where, like, if I'm ever in a in a position where I like hunt more regularly, like, I want to be able to get to the point where I can process my own stuff. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, um, I t- usually take my deer. At least in the past, I've taken my deer there to get a process and we get breakfast sausage, pan sausage, and all that stuff made. It's freaking phenomenal. And he loves that stuff. And so he hasn't been wanting to eat much lately so i'm hoping if i can get a deer and get the sausage and stuff he'll be you know he'll actually try and eat it because i know he loves that stuff so that's another that's another reason why i want to try and hit the field this this uh this year if i can if i have the opportunity to do so um just that way he can hopefully eat a little bit more since i know that's that's something he does enjoy but uh yeah man so that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm just hanging in there, surviving <laughs> to live and fight another day. And uh, hopefully we'll get this shit knocked out so I can go up to Arkansas and fish for some trout and small jaws, man. Yes, sir. We need and go you camping. up here, man. I haven't, been, I haven't been camping since you and I floated the Buffalo a year ago. Damn. <clears throat> Dude, I yeah. freaking love camping. I, I think I want to start going. See, I'm, I'm one of those weirdos that like it when it's cold. So I would much rather camp now than I would have, you know, last month or the month before, because I mean, it's just when you're cold, you can always put more stuff on, but when it's hot, you can only take so much off. 
<laughs> See here, here in Texas, I think I'd rather camp when it's cold than in the hot. Cause when it's just blazing hot, dude, I can't sleep. I just, it's just Same. too uncomfortable. I can't sleep. So I sleep so much I think when it's cold. Yeah. Cause just for the reasons you stated, I mean, you can always bundle up, man, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it might, my girlfriend's not much of an outdoorsy person. It's kind of funny because we're so different in that regard. She says she'd be open to it, but I don't know how true that is. I, I, I would hate to plan a trip and have all this stuff and for her to be like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And then we have to drive all the way back. So kind of like we'll, I did with, we'll, with my youngest. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh my god i felt so bad dude, dude i felt that bad was, for y'all her waking y'all up at like 2 30 in the morning screaming dude i mean that that part don't bother me i just felt bad because she just like she wasn't stopping i was kind of scared for her man i was like oh my god i hope she's okay and then i heard i heard y'all tear off in the middle of the night and i thought i thought maybe y'all had gone to like take a little cruise and maybe get her settled down and all that stuff but when we woke up like y'all were just like Everything was gone. Tin, yeah. everything. I was like, oh, okay. So they're gone, gone. Yeah. But yeah, that was, she, that was, was, she was like nine months old and she just was not having it. She wanted to be in her bed because she started sleeping in her own crib at three months and uh, she was just accustomed to it. And, you know, occasionally she would sleep in the bed, but she, she loved her crib. And if she wasn't in her crib, she was having to lay with us. She was not having it. <laughs> she, I mean, she had a blast playing in the water there earlier in that day. Um, cause she, she was did, doing, but she wouldn't take a nap that day. And then we couldn't get her to sleep. And, you know, she was screaming at two in the morning. I was like, I'm not going to have other people's trip messed up. So we just decided it'd be best to pack everything up and get on out. And it was like, what, how far is that? Like three hours from San Marcos? No, that was maybe two hours. Two, yeah. Somewhere around there. Hour forty five, two hours. Yeah. So we got we got back and yeah, it was it wasn't fun. But yeah, she uh <laughs> I doubt that uh Sarah would have that that same experience that Adeline was. I don't think she'd wake up screaming at two in the morning. I know, man. I hate to keep her so far away from her crib. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I could talk coming down, and we could we could both take our our uh, girlfriends out camping. Maybe that would you know alleviate some of it for her having another woman there. I think honestly, I think that would help. Um, so she and I are both very stubborn, and I have a feeling that she would not take instruction from me very mm -hmm. very well that's kind of how i felt trying to teach ruth to cast this weekend it's like you know i, I don't want to tell her what to do because i know that she's not going to be as reciprocating you know coming from me but i'm just like there's nobody else here We're in the, we literally saw we didn't see one person on three days of hiking on the trails like there's nobody there and i was trying to teach her to cast and it, i just she just wasn't uh, maybe it's just not her thing but she just I don't think she just wanted to hear it from me. <laughs> Dude. So my buddy was trying to get his girlfriend at the time into fly fishing. Like they had gone a couple times. She, he tried to teach her how to cast, but she was like, I want to learn how to do it my way. And this and that, like he didn't, she was not very receptive to him at all. Yeah. And I can, I can, I can understand that. You know, I can, I, I can get that sentiment cause I'm like that to an extent as well. But at the same time, like if you have somebody there who's trying, who's, I guess, more knowledgeable, more knowledgeable about a certain thing and, and the thing that you're doing, it'd probably be good to at least 
take some of the advice or whatever, be more open to what they're saying. But from what I understand, she was not. And so he, we went to this, to the flash shop in Houston and he was telling her or telling the, uh, the guy that we were talking to who worked there, you know, the situation he goes, yeah, dude, he goes, just bring her here. Uh, we'll, we'll teach her. He goes, cause it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you and I tell her the same thing. It's not about, oftentimes it's not about what is said. It's about who says it, like yeah. who's, who's it's coming from. You know, he, I've, he goes, I've got so many people like that, like, Husbands will bring their wives in here because they don't want to listen to them. But as long as they're listening to an instructor, um, someone who's essentially not their husband or partner or whatever, like they're way more receptive. They're way more, they just pick it up way faster. It, and it's, I don't, it's super funny how that works out. But yeah, that's, and that's another reason, I guess, why if my girlfriend is ever like really wanting to go into fly, to like try fly fishing, I'd rather try and take her to uh, a fly shop to get some instruction than me do it because yeah i don't know actually i don't know i i did teach her a little bit and she did actually like not totally ignore me so maybe we're we're on to something there we just, i just need to spend a little bit more time with her but i feel like she'd probably get pretty tired of me pretty fast right and then that's when i'll take her to the <laughs> so we don't want to overdo it <laughs> yeah exactly so because i because I would like to take her and she, and she's like, how come you never taking fishing? And, and my, here's my thing. It's not that I'm against it because I definitely want to, I think it'd be fun to, to, you know, be able to do that together. But the reason I have never done it as of yet is because I don't want to be the one to initiate that. If that makes any sense. I feel like if I was like, Hey, let's go fishing or Hey, we're going to go fishing. It wouldn't be out of her own like wanting to do that. Yeah. It'd be me doing it. But if she goes, Hey, I would really like for you to take me fishing, then at least I know that she's more open minded about having that experience because it's coming from her rather than me making, you know, that uh that suggestion. So that's what I've been waiting for. And she has finally done that. Um and the weather's been and she's more of a fair weather outdoorsman. Mm -hmm. So or outdoors person, sorry. And, uh, so she doesn't want to go when it's like too hot or too cold. So too, too dry. <laughs> so I have like maybe 10 days out of the year to make that happen. <laughs> and at least here in Texas. And so unfortunately we've had some really beautiful weather here lately, but I've been in the field, so I can't, I can't make that happen. Yeah. So I'm hoping if I miss my window this fall and in the spring, we'll be able to find some time and do that. But that would be awesome. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. And then we can have her because um so there's a thing that I don't I mean I guess we can mention it. it's not giving it too much away, but there's a thing uh, a listener actually suggested where we can since we're both very passionate about the outdoors, we can take someone who maybe has not done a certain thing and I guess specifically for us since we fly fish mostly rather than hunting or anything, mm -hmm. where we take them, we show them like how to cast, we take them fishing, show them all that stuff. And then we have them on and kind of go over their experience. For sure. And so I think you're going to try and plan and plan do that with your girlfriend. Yep. And then I was going to try and do that with my girlfriend. And then I was, and the listener actually lives close to College Station. So, um, and they happen to not have ever fly fish before. So I think I'm going to try and show them how to do that and have them come on at some point too. That would be awesome. So, 
It we definitely be. need to try to do that. I was I was hoping I can get a little bit more fishing in this weekend with Ruth, but uh, I, I at least wanted to get her on a fish, but um, yeah. it just it didn't it didn't happen. wasn't in the cards. Cause she's caught fish before, right? But on Tinkara. Yeah, she caught she she tore them up on the Tinkara when we went. She caught all sorts of different shiners and long ears, red breast, green sunfish, bluegills. Like she caught all sorts of you know smaller fish. On did the she have? <clears throat> did she? Did she at least have fun with that? She did. She she says she, that she had fun, and she says the reason why she had so much fun is because we weren't out there for more than an hour. <laughs> That's fair. So yeah. small doses. Yeah, small doses are definitely her thing. I think that's I'm gonna have to go about my girlfriend too, and I've told you this. So like I've I've talked, I may have mentioned this on the previous episode too. So I have talked with people who have who currently fish or who have attempted to take their partners fishing and and their experiences. And so through those conversations, I've been able to kind of devise a plan of attack. I think with Sarah. So since I know that she gets hangry. I'm going to have snacks. <laughs> I'm going to make sure there's a ton of water. And then one thing I learned from a friend of mine was um, he feels like he burnt out or got his girlfriend burnt out on the, on, on the sport because when he, like he's super into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he took her on this really long excursion of fishing mm-hmm. and she was kind of over it after the first few hours and he didn't bring any food and didn't bring any water and so he kind of planned from my, at least from my understanding, it seems like he planned the trip as if it was just him or him and a buddy who is equally as into it, but she obviously was not, she had different expectations and stuff. And so since she didn't have, or she had like a negative experience, she kind of turned it away from it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if I potentially want to have continue doing this with my girlfriend, I want her to have the best experience as possible. So just, um, so I'm going to make sure she's comfortable, bring food, water, all that stuff, make sure weather's good. And then I think and I'm going to bring, I'm not, I'm not going to bring my rod. Like I'm, I'm, I want to focus the experience solely on her. So yeah. she has my undivided attention, make sure, you know, she's having a good time and all that stuff. And then, if she does and she's more receptive of it and then we can actually do a fishing trip together. But I just want to make sure that her first time is good to go. And then I think what I'm going to also try and do is make it less about the fishing and more about spending time together. So maybe bring like a picnic blanket or whatever. We can just like make a picnic or something out of right. it, you know, make it like a fun and enjoyable experience, trying to put her own interests into it as well. And so um, maybe then she will be more like open to the idea. That would be awesome. At least, at least it's my plan. Kind of make it, I guess, like a like a date night thing. Yeah. And if anybody decides to do this with their partner, let me know how it goes, so right. I can readjust if I need to if I miss something. Um, but yeah, that's how I think I'm gonna go, gonna approach it. So hopefully, I don't scare her off or anything. That sounds like a good plan. That's kind of what I did with Ruth. Is we, you know, went off and and had a little picnic area. Actually, um, actually, a body of water that me and you fished uh, one time when you were up here. And um, I knew there was this little pool that had a bunch of fish in it. And I knew that it wasn't going to be too crowded for her, you know, trying to learn how to, you know, use a Tenkara rod and with a back casket and cotton stuff. So I knew it was fairly open. I knew there was fish. I knew there was, a, you know, not a dangerous body of water. It was, you know, a calm pool. There was an area to have a picnic on the side. And so just kind of eased her into it with things that I know that she already likes and things that I think that she might not like. I kind of stayed away from. 
Um, so obviously didn't want to take her to moving water or um, on the kayak, trying to fish from the kayak, stuff like that. You know, I kind of yeah. tried to tailor it more towards her and she enjoyed it. Um, and I think this weekend, I don't think that she necessarily enjoyed it, mainly because she knew we had a long hike ahead of us and she just wanted to get to the hike. So um, she was pretty much that makes sense. almost immediately. And so um, I hope I didn't overdo it a little bit much because we were there for 20, 30 minutes. Um, so I hope it wasn't too much for her at that time because she was just ready to go. Um, but yeah, we need to, uh, we, we, we should both do it with our girlfriends and, uh, do a podcast on it. Sure. And, and, and maybe them too. Like if, if we, if I go up to Arkansas and Sarah happens to come with me, um, perhaps her being there and the two girls being there together, maybe they'll open up to the idea of fishing once like they see another girl there, someone that they, right. you know, I guess a fellow, um, I don't know how to explain it, man, but just familiar, I guess, yeah. if that makes any sense. I would say so. You know, it just make them more comfortable seeing another girl do the thing that they're doing so they can do it together. Right. Type of thing. And they probably have uh, a lot more commonalities and things that they could talk about on, even if they're bonding on over why they don't like it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It'll make exactly. it a little bit more exactly. enjoyable for them. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see, man. Maybe that's something we can do too. We should for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. But, well, uh, it's been... Over an hour? An hour. <laughs> we said it was going to be a I, short episode. It, dude, that happens every time. Every single every time. Every time. So, but I guess we'll uh, go ahead and get ready to start closing out. You got anything else you want to cover? Um, There's nothing off the top of my head that I can think of. All right. Before we close it out, uh, for those of y'all that are watching on video, I uh, have some cups made, and so these are some mugs with our logo on them that will hopefully be on our website by the time uh, this comes out. Still working through some of the kinks with that, but this is the sample one, and if you like it, here it is. Go get yourself one. Um, we'll also be having hats, shirts, um, koozies, regular coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff like that coming on the website soon. So uh, check us out at mywildlifeoutdoors.com, and uh, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you all next time. This has been Wildlife Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook at Wildlife Outdoors and on Instagram at wild.life.outdoors. Let's go live life on the wild side.